Hey everybody, George Robson here, Worship Arts Pastor at Ocean Grove Online Church. Welcome to another one of our podcasts. I want to encourage you to stay with us for this week's scripture reading and message. Friends, we are um, on our last stop in our study on Paul's letter to the church in uh, Philippi. The book of Philippians ends in chapter 4. I'm going to read the verses uh, uh, that close out the letter 10 through 23. However, we'll be focusing particularly on verses 10 through 13 this morning. But I want to read all of these to you so we, uh, again, have the whole book uh, having been read in our midst. So here's Philippians 4, 10 through 23. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words today. We thank you that they were words written so long ago for a congregation just beginning its life together as a community of faith. But we thank you, O God, that your word is timeless. And these are words that are also written for us today. And we pray that as we read them and proclaim them in our midst, that you will open our lives to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, here we are in our last, last in our Philippians preaching series 
It has been a great study of Paul's letter to the first congregation that Paul established as he spread the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the Mediterranean Basin. And Paul, through this letter, has done an important and powerful job of reminding us that God not only calls us faithfully to live out our calling as followers of Jesus Christ, but he does not call us to do this alone. Instead, he places us in a community of believers where we can worship and we can have fellowship together, we can minister together, and we can serve each other and the world. But it's at the end of Paul's letter that he now concentrates on the idea of Christian contentment. And he shares the secret of being content in all circumstances. Those are Paul's words. I have learned the secret of being content in all circumstances. Again, he he writes in verse 10, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And friends, that alone is a fairly remarkable statement. To have learned to be content in your life no matter what's happening. I have met people throughout my life. I have probably been this person more than once. And that are those who are discontent no matter what the circumstances are. But Paul says, I have learned to be content no matter what. And when he wrote these words, he was in prison. So that's pretty good evidence that he actually meant what he said. But he unpacks it even more. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content whether I am well-fed or whether I'm hungry. Whether I am living in poverty or living in plenty. And then he adds this. I can do all of these things through him who strengthens me. What Paul is saying here to us and to the church long ago, the secret of contentment, the secret of being content no matter what our circumstances, is life in Christ. It's life in Christ. And Paul tells us throughout this letter and and to the church and to us that, that this contentment happens in three ways or unfolds in three different patterns. The first of which is that we are to rejoice in God's provision. If we want to learn the secret of contentment, the first step is to rejoice in God's provision. Verse 10, Paul writes, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Joy has been one of Paul's themes throughout uh, the book of Philippians, and he is playing the joy note again here. He is responding to the church in Philippi because they had taken up an offering for him and they had sent him the gift while he was still in prison. 
And he says here, I rejoice greatly. Now I'm going to pause here for just a minute, unpack this just a little bit. This is the first time that Paul attaches the word greatly to the word rejoice. In fact, it's the only time in any of Paul's letter that Paul uses the word greatly and rejoiced together. So yes, he was, he was pleased and he was happy and he appreciated the gift of financial support that the Philippian church had, had sent him. It lifted his heart and lifted his spirit and, and, and brought him joy. But pay attention to the wording carefully. Paul is rejoicing not simply in this gift himself because he says, I am rejoicing greatly in the Lord. The gift that the Philippian church sent to Paul represented their friendship with him and their partnership with the gospel. And Paul was glad to receive it, but he recognized that this gift was God's provision in his life. He wasn't rejoicing in the Philippians. He was rejoicing in the Lord because the Philippians were being used by, by God to provide him with provisions that he desperately needed. So friends, our first step to learning the secret of contentment is to rejoice in God's provision and to recognize in our, our lives that everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from God. Even in those times when we are in need and, and our church family or our biological family or our friends come through for us, we need to make the connection that their generosity is the way that God is choosing to provide provision for our lives. Tom and Arlene Malanga, who administer our angel fund, I think they know this better than anybody I've ever met. People over and over and over again will say to them, oh, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And they will say this back every single time. Don't thank us. Thank God. I thank them for their service, and they give it to me just like they tell everybody else. Don't thank us. Thank God. And they get it. Rejoice in God's provision. The second step is uh, to learn uh, to be the secret of contentment is to be content whatever our circumstances. Verse 11, Paul writes, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. I've learned to be content whether I'm in need or whether I have plenty. Paul is careful here to clarify his motives is in bringing up their gift to him. You know, this whole thing can be rather tricky at times, and sometimes people can be sneaky in their motives when it comes to expressing their thanks. I'm thinking the, the time when, when you go uh, see Grandma, and you tell her as soon as you get there, Grandma, thank you so much for getting us ice cream the last time we were here. That was great ice cream. I really love ice cream. 
right? It's not too hard to figure out what's going on there. You don't need a psychology degree to figure out that those kids are pretty on top of things. But Paul wants the Philippians to know that he indeed appreciates their gift, but he doesn't want to give them the wrong idea. So he qualifies his first statement of joy. He says to them, I'm not bringing this up because I expect you to do the same again. Don't. I'm not looking for another gift. That's not why I'm saying this. That's not why I'm uh, writing this to you. Paul says, I'm saying this because I've learned to be content no matter what. Paul tells us that Christian contentment is marked by joy, but it's also trust in a wise and loving God. When we are content in Christ, that means we are not looking to the world for the source of our satisfaction or contentment, but we are acknowledging that because Christ is in our life and is our life, that we can be content no matter what the outside circumstances throw at us. Christian contentment seeks to be dependent on God and not anything else. But here's an important aspect to this, too, that I don't want to go without saying, that it doesn't mean that we simply accept our lot in life, no matter what the circumstances. We can certainly work to change if we're in a bad situation. We should always seek to improve ourselves, and we do that through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Christian contentment is not uh, an excuse for personal laziness. Do you want to learn something new? Do you want to do something? No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm content right where I am. Are you in a bad situation? Then pray about it and work to change it. Are you lacking in Christian character? Ask God through the Holy Spirit to make you more like Christ. Are you struggling with finances or or illness? Do what you can to change your circumstances. But in the meantime, while you're waiting for the desired change to happen, trust God. Trust God with your circumstances and seek to honor him in all ways at all times. I have learned that God has good things to teach us in difficult times, and we don't want to miss those important lessons. So does Paul really mean that he is content whatever the circumstances, or is he exaggerating here? Again, just in case we might think he doesn't really mean what he says, he goes on to describe his own experience in verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content regardless. Paul, at different times in his life, lived at both ends of the spectrum. He experienced times of excruciating need, and extravagant plenty. And again, he had learned the secret of being content in both and everywhere in between. Paul didn't seek satisfaction in material things when he did not have them. He didn't 
think or say to himself, boy, I am, I, am, I am without right now, but if I could just get more stuff in my life, then I will be okay, I will be fine, and I will be all that I can be. And consequently, he didn't find his satisfaction in material things when he did have them. He didn't say to himself, now that I have everything I want, I finally can, can be content. No, he said, I don't care what, whether I have a lot or a little. My contentment is not in my stuff. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. I guess as we have all found some discontentment when we are on the having little side of the equation. But it can be as bad a problem for those who have much or too much. When we have plenty, we might be tempted to find our satisfaction in those things and not in God. We might be tempted to take pride in our possessions and say, look at me, look how successful I am, look how much stuff I have, instead of pointing to God and saying, look at how great God is. Sometimes when we have a lot, we are tempted to be greedy for more. There was a poll taken years ago asking people all over the economic spectrum, including the super rich, how much more money do you need to be happy? And do you know that everybody answered the same, even those with more money than they could possibly spend? And the answer was just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. The temptation when you have a lot is to worry about losing the things that you have gained. Stephen Fowle puts it this way, abundance simply shifts one's focus from getting things to keeping things. But none of that was important for Paul because he had learned to be content in, in all ways, in all circumstances. And so the number three way we can do this is um, look to Christ for our strength. Verse 13, Paul writes, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Do you know that this is one of the most popular verses in all of the scriptures? Every year it comes in as uh, in the top 10 of people's favorite Bible verses. I have seen it on posters. I have seen it on T-shirts. I have seen it on coffee mugs. I have seen it everywhere. And it should be. It's a great verse. It's a great verse to quote. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Unfortunately, it's one of the most misapplied verses in all of the scriptures. And typically when it's misapplied, it's also misquoted. Two little words get added. I can do anything I want through him who gives me strength. And so the person who wants a new car but can't afford the payments might go ahead and buy something they really can't afford, saying, well, I can do anything I want through him who strengthens me. 
But I've, I've, I've uh, seen this example more often, and that's the student who never studies and then tries to cover for their negligence by saying, when the test comes, I can do anything I want through him who strengthens me. Well, God might give you the strength, but at that point, it'll probably be the strength to get through a failed test. My guess is, at least in my own experience, and I've got some experience a long time ago in this area, that God's not going to show up with the answer key when you want him to. Friends, the promise that Paul is articulating here, the promise that God is giving here, is simply this. No matter what my circumstances, no matter what my trials and tribulations, no matter how difficult the road ahead lies, God will give me the strength to get through it. That's the message here. God will give me the strength to make it through. Whether in need or in plenty, whether hungry or well-fed, I can handle everything through Christ who gives me strength. secret to contentment is not self-sufficiency. It's Christ-sufficiency. It's not self-sufficiency. It's Christ-sufficiency. The strength I need does not come from within me, but it comes from Christ. When I'm weak, Christ makes me strong. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Third step to the, the secret of contentment is for us to look to Christ for our strength and nothing else. So friends, Philippians 4, Paul ends his letter making sure that this important message is clear and the last thing the folks in Philippians hear from him is these three important steps to learning the secret of contentment. Rejoice in God's provision. Be content whatever your circumstances and look to Christ for your strength. When it comes right down to it, the secret of contentment really isn't a secret at all. It's life in Christ. And this is not a secret we want to keep to ourselves. We need to remind ourselves and to tell others that the secret to being content in life is life in Christ. Let's pray together. God, Paul has reminded us throughout this letter that there is joy in Christ, that there is joy in being numbered among the body of Christ and being part of a community of faith, that there is work for us to do individually and there is work for us to do as the church of Jesus Christ. But at the end, Paul reminds us that contentment 
being okay where we are is being okay in the Lord. Being content is to know Christ and know his salvation. Being content is to practice our faith in a way that enlivens our lives, strengthens our walk with him, and gives witness to the presence of Christ to the world. We thank you, O God, for the message that Paul wrote thousands of years ago, but that is still alive and well today. And we pray that we will take your word through Paul's words into our lives and live them out with boldness and conviction by the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. We really appreciate you staying with us this time around. Remember, you can always search out other podcasts from OGC by looking up Ocean Grove Church or type in oceangrovechurch.com slash podcast question mark format equals RSS in your player of choice. And if you'd like other ways to stay up to date on all things Ocean Grove Church, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Ocean Grove Church, on Twitter as OG Church, and don't forget our website, OceanGroveChurch.com. And you can contact us via email at OceanGroveChurch at gmail.com. Until next time, we bid you peace.